The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning. I see now as I start talking, it says I've been on for seven seconds. It takes a little while for the software. It starts broadcasting before the software all catches up, so it's kind of weird sometimes. Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Nelson. I'm with Tower View Baptist Church, Kansas City, Missouri. If you want to find out more about us, check us out on our website, towerviewkc.com, our Facebook page, Tower View Baptist Church. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is our weekly Bible study, Sunday school lesson, however you want to pray, phrase it. Easy for me to say. We are coming to you this morning, like I said, from Tower View Baptist Church. And, and we just want to welcome you. We want to uh, invite you to our church. If you're in the Kansas City area, we are right at the bottom, or right near where the Worlds of Fun water tower is. Worlds of Fun's Ocean of Fun is across the interstate, caddy corner from us. But if you know where their water tower, what the Worlds of Fun uh, paint scheme is on it, you can find our church. At the corner of Northeast 50th Street and Randolph Road, just north of the, of the town of Clay Como. So... We are here this morning to study God's Word, and we're starting a new book today. We're studying it. It's a new quarter. We are studying, and we're going to be going through the book of Isaiah. So before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you provide us, Lord. Help us to be your servants in everything that we do. Help us as we study your Word this morning that you will open our hearts, open our minds, open our attitudes to your words that it will change us whether it changes us for the first time in in, a, in what we call salvation or for those of us who have been christians for many years maybe lord it'll change an attitude we have a belief we have that changes our faith that deepens our faith lord it changes a behavior that we have to remove a sin Lord, to be more holy. You are the mighty God, and we just pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you. I see my uh, precious, uh, my, my sidekick has uh, posted a, or, or pin, Lord, it, that tells us how you can get hold of us um, on, in the comments there. One of the ways you can get hold of us is through our church phone number there that's posted there. I'll repeat it again there at the end. So, good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Judy. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And like I said, we're we're going. We're starting a new book. We're starting the book of Isaiah. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter one this morning. The lesson plan starts in verse ten. But if you've been around me enough, you know I am not starting in verse ten. We got to start at the beginning. No, I'm not going to read all nine verses. The first nine verses. But 
I am going to read the first few verses. So in Isaiah, Isaiah is an interesting book. It's a, it's a prophetic book. It's a long book. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, commentary I was reading, it says, Isaiah is at once familiar and neglected. It's familiar. There are some very familiar passages that we have in here that we know and love. And, and many of you can quote verses out of the book of Isaiah that encourage you, that talk about our Savior, talks about Jesus and his, his prophecies concerning him. But at the same time, how much have you read of the rest of the book of Isaiah outside those, those few favorite verses and chapters that you have? Outside of those few uh, prophecies about Jesus and the birth of Jesus, how much have we read about it? And I'm, and this, I'm pointing at myself too. You know, it's not a book that we go through and read. Um, the prophetic books are hard to read sometimes. They're, frankly, they're just a list of sermons. It's just one sermon after the other. Now, Isaiah they have, has a few sections of prose where he talks about things that are happening around him. But for the most part, it's a list of sermons. And some of them are hard to understand. Some of them just don't make sense to us. It talks about neighboring countries. It talks about its prophecies you know, about things that have already happened. The destruction of uh, Judah uh, and, and different things like that. So it, it's hard to read. And the prophecies about, there are prophecies and they're about the future that hasn't happened for, even for us yet. But even reading those is hard to understand and hard to comprehend what's, what he is saying. But just because a thing is hard doesn't mean we shouldn't try. So in this quarter, the next three months, we're going to go through the book of Isaiah. Obviously, we're not going to hit every chapter, every verse. But I encourage you this, this quarter, as we go through the lesson, that you keep read all the, ver all the chapters in between the lessons. And keep it up. If you have a lesson, if you have a, a, st a study guide, it has a reading plan in it on how to read through Isaiah for these three months. And if you don't have that, here's your reading plan. Start in chapter 1, start reading. Okay? There are, if you read one chapter a day, you'll be through it in just over two months. There's 66 chapters. And none of them are super long. It's not like the book of uh, Psalms where you have one, some Psalms that are only three verses long and other Psalms that are for pages. Um, they're all pretty uniform in length. And so your reading plan, read one chapter a day. Even if you don't start and today is your first day, that's fine. You will still get done before the end of our study through the book of Isaiah. So in the book of Isaiah, we're going to start with 1-1 because it's introduction. And it's important to have introductions. So Isaiah chapter 1 verse 1 says this. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw during the reigns of King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. So as you read through that, we, got, we get a bunch of names in here. It says, okay, this is the visions concerning... It says vision, it's singular, not plural. 
And so it considered it all one vision of God. Just like the book of Revelation is singular. It's one revelation from God. It's not a bunch of them. It's one. It's singular. And it's concerning Jerusalem and Judah. Okay, the southern, at this time, the Israel is divided into two countries. You have the northern kingdom, which is sometimes called Ephraim as a shorthand, or just as a nickname, which is the, one of the northern tribes. And the southern kingdom, which is off, often called just Judah. The, it's Judah and Benjamin are the two primary tribes. but So it's ten, ten tribes and two tribes. And, and Judah is the primary tribe in the south, and so it's, it's called Judah. It, the northern kingdom was often just called Israel. It had, the ten, it had the ten tribes. During, and, and, and so you have, it says he's the son of Amos. Oh, we can f- just look up Amos in the Old Testament. We'll find out who about him. Unfortunately, we can't. Amos, um, we, we, don't, we don't know anything about Amos. It says that who that's his father's name, but there's nothing in scripture about Amos. So we don't know anything really about um, Isaiah's life. We don't know anything about, you know, was he a poor subsistence farmer or was he somebody more connected to the a court? Jewish tradition says he was connected to the court, that he was, uh, Amos was somebody who, who, who worked for the king. In, in some capacity. Um, so, we, we, but that's all we know. We don't know anything. And then we have these kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. And we do know about all, all four of those kings. Go through and read Chronicles. Read Second Kings. And you can find the stories, the, the accounts of these kings. And whether they were godly kings or ungodly kings, you can find the accounts and story and, and events that happened in their lifetime. And so we do know about those kings. And those kings are sometimes mentioned throughout the book as we read through here. And so if you want to know about those guys, there's more reading for you. If you don't read one of Isaiah, read, read about these kings in, in the books of Chronicles and Second Kings, and you will find out more. Sometimes they have different names. Uzziah has a different name. I can't remember in Kings or Chronicles, but he has a different name in one of those books. So sometimes they have like two names. Um, you know, you have a nickname and, and your other name, or it's just a different way of pronouncing the name. Um, if you read Lord of the Rings, you know everybody has three names in there. Um, and so you can find out about those. So we, we, we know about the history and the background of Isaiah. We know about the history and the background of his where he lived and when he lived. So he lived around in the 700 BC, the what we call the 8th century BC before Christ. And then here is how he begins his very first vision, his very first sermon if you will. In verse 2, chapter 1 verse 2. And it says this. Verse chapter 1 verse 2. Listen heavens, pay attention earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. And so he starts off and he says, who is he talking to? Heaven. Well, to, in their time, when you say heaven, they're not thinking heaven, the place you live when you die. They're thinking heavens. They're, they're talking about what's in the sky. Everything above them. From where the, the, it's, it's the air up. 
So the clouds are in the heavens, the stars are in the heavens, the birds fly in the heavens to earth, to ground. All right? And, and the Lord has spoken. That's Lord. That's Lord is in, if you look, it's L-O-R-D, is all caps in most translations. And that means Yahweh or Jehovah. Those are the same word. They're just different pronunciations. Um, the Lord raised up children, brought them up. And so he's talking about Israel. Israel has been raised up. He called them children. But they rebelled. In verse 3, the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master, master's feeding trough. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So when he's saying the donkey and the ox understand more than Israel does. That's not a good comparison. How many of you want to be compared to a donkey or an ox? I don't. He's saying they understand more than they do, than, than Israel does. And verse 4, how do you describe sin? Well, verse 4 does a pretty good job of it. O sinful nation, people weighed down by iniquity, broad a brood of evildoers, depraved children. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on Him. And so that is a description of the sin that He is seeing in the land of the people of Israel. And so He's proclaiming to the sky and to the ground. He is talking about the children of Israel, which is a common phrase throughout the Old Testament. And He says they've rebelled. That the ox and the donkeys are smarter than them. They know where, they, they know where their source of food and and nourishment comes from. But Israel isn't smart enough to figure that out. That they don't know where their um, nourishment comes from. They don't know that it's from God anymore. And then he describes their sin. That they're evildoers. That they're depraved children. They have abandoned God. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. And that's another description of God. The Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs. And then skip down to verse 9. In verse 9 it says, If the army, the Lord of armies, which is, um, if you have the King James, it says Lord of hosts. This translation translates that phrase to Lord of armies. And that's exactly what hosts, in the King James Version, at the time that was written, hosts meant armies, an army of people, an army of whatever. Hosts and armies, they're, they're synonymous. But we don't use hosts that way anymore. Um, it says if the Lord of armies has not left us a few survivors we would be like Sodom we would resemble Gomorrah and so God always keeps a remnant you might think you're the only one serving God and but God always keeps a remnant of people around Elijah at one time thought he was the only one serving God in all Israel and God reminded him and said no I have saved, there was over 7,000 people in Israel who have not bent the knee to Baal. And so we may think we're alone, but that doesn't mean we are alone. We've got to ask God, God, who are those around? Connect me with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and that's the danger we have in this time of COVID, that we are alone. We think we're alone because we're stuck in our houses. We, we, we're not out socializing and being with others, but you're not alone. 
A, God is always with you at all times. And he is a friend that doesn't fail us. He is there and we can always talk to him, even when we can't talk to those around us. We can't give a hug to those around us or get a hug. He is always there for us. So in our lesson, the book, it starts in verse 10. So in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, we are continuing through the book of Isaiah this morning. And so, actually, we're beginning the book of Isaiah this morning. And so chapter in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And so he begins, well, he continues this uh, sermon, if you will, this vision, this testimony he has from God. And he is calling the people, children of Israel, Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he's using a poetic language here, and he's using two lines, and he says the same thing, or almost the same thing, similar in, in two ways, to, to amplify what he means. You notice here it says, it says, hear, and then halfway through it says, listen. Hear the word of the Lord, listen. And then what are they supposed to hear? It says, hear the word of the Lord. What are you supposed to listen to? Instruction of, the, of God, of our God. Who is he talking to? Rulers. People, you people. So he's talking to the rulers, the kings, the, the administration, if you will, the government, both the national government and the city government. He's talking to all of them. But he's also talking about anybody in power. The rulers, any any uh, wealthy person that has businesses that have lots of employees, people that own land, those are also rulers. Rulers are also the people in the temple, the priests and the scribes. They are also considered rulers because of the authority they have. But he's also talking about you people. That means all the rest of us who are nobodies. You know. The, the, the normal people in the crowd, the ones who are the worker bees, the ones who have to pay all the taxes, all those things. And so he says, hear, listen. Word of the Lord, instructions of our God. Rulers, you people. Then he describes who is the, the rulers of? The rulers of Sodom. I was like, yeah, those evil rulers, man, they're so mean to us. They're terrible rulers. of Those people of Sodom. And then he says, you people of Gomorrah. So he's saying, the little guys, you're not any better. You're also not following God. You're of Gomorrah. So he, talks, he starts this sermon by basically insulting his entire audience, calling them Sodom and Gomorrah. We see already in verse 4 how he calls them all out as sinners, as depraved children, and abandoning the Lord. And so this first sermon that we have recorded, he is coming out firing both barrels, full automatic. He is not holding anything back. I remember my first sermon that I ever preached, and ironically, it was the same sermon that, well, the same text that Darren used uh, last week, Psalm 150. Um, and 
or is that what he's preaching this week? I don't remember. Anyways, that was my first, and I read. I, it was my first sermon, and it was like it was such a wimpy sermon. It, it for me, it was. It was just you know, um, I I didn't call anybody out. I didn't do it. It was like yeah, we need, we need to be we need to worship with you know instruments and stuff, and we need to you know praise God and you know things like that. It was it was a pretty wimpy sermon. But here's Isaiah coming out. And he's just laying, he's just unloading on on the people, on the rulers and on the common person. Full bore. And we're going to continue reading this. Verse 11. What are your sacrifices to me, asked the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings, rams, and the fat of the well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, of lambs, or of male goats. And so... This at this time there was the temple. The Solomon's temple was still standing. It had been built a few hundred years earlier. And and part of the worship service was you take your animals, what it talked about there, your your burnt offerings, your rams, your cattle, and you would take them to the temple alive. And it would they would sacrifice at the temple. The animal would be killed. And the blood drained, and some of the animal would might be burnt on the altar, and some of it would be given to the priests and the Levites, so they would have food. So depending on the type of sacrifice, you could take the sacrifice home to eat it and share with your friends and family and neighbors. But at, that all began at the temple. You had to take your animal to the temple. And so that was part of their worship. That was essential in their worship. There were you go back and read through the book of Leviticus, and we, we joke about Leviticus being a boring book, but the book of Leviticus tells you all about the sacrificial system, the different types of sacrifices. It was there was wasn't just one type of sacrifice. You had the annual sacrifice for your sins, but you had special sacrifices for your sin if something happened. There were sacrifices for thanksgiving and praise. There were sacrifices for different events that happened in life, like the birth of your firstborn child um, and, and other events that happened in your life. Leviticus is where we get the phrase, be holy because God is holy. And so we have these, these people are bringing sacrifices. They're outwardly doing the right thing. How do I know they're doing it outwardly? Because God says he doesn't like it. And continue reading. In verses 11 through 15, we, start, we read 11, verse, starting in verse 12. When you come to appear before me, who requires this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing these useless offerings. You, your incense is detestable to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moon and prescribed festivals. They have become a burden to me. I am tired of putting up with them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. He comes through and he's talking about temple worship. You bring these things, but he says when you're coming to the temple, you, he's calling it, you're trampling my courts. You're not coming to praise me. Your offerings are useless. 
How can their offerings be useless? Have you ever heard the Old Testament offering system called a, a, a covenant of works? That there was a work salvation in the Old Testament? Well, if that is true, then God cannot say that their offerings are useless if it's all about works. The Old Testament offering system was just as much about faith as it is today. By faith, they would bring their, their offerings to the temple. It had to be by faith. Both Abel, Cain and Abel both offered sacrifices and offerings. Abel's was accepted because his was by faith. Cain's was not. And so they're bringing these. You read through the Psalms, Psalm 50, Psalm of David. He says bringing an offering is useless. But then he goes on and says after he has consecrated, after he has dedicated his life, then after he has uh, repented, then he can bring a sacrifice to the temple. Then it will be holy and pleasing to God. So bringing a sacrifice to God when you don't have the faith is useless. And if you looked at if you look through history and, and, and the neighboring countries that are in that area of the world, Mesopotamia, if you remember your world history, most of the almost all those religions that were around there, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, um, the, the, the Philistines, their philosophy of religion was if you do the right thing, if you say the right words, have the right formulas to do things, then God, the, their God or gods will listen to you. You just had to say the right words in the right order. Your heart didn't matter. You know, if you had the, the, the holy book and you read the right incantation, then the gods would listen to you and do what you want. And God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work by incantation. He doesn't need a magic phrase to get it's about your heart and why you're doing it and these people were not doing it <clears throat> i imagine the the words that is used here in verse especially in verse 14 i hate your your new moon and your prescribed festivals they have become a burden to me i am tired of putting up with them that is probably isaiah is using the words of the people God is using the words of the people themselves to complain about. With it. So they're complaining about these festivals that they have to go to. Oh, it's so hard. Man, I have to go up to the temple again. I just did it last year. Oh, man, I got to take, and I got to take a good, you know, one of my prize lambs. I can't take one of these ones that have a broken leg. You know, they want me to take another because the priest won't take it if it's not a good one. They're so picky. I'm tired of doing this. Why do we have to keep doing this every year? When can we stop doing that? I mean, the, you know, the, the whining of people. Do you ever whine about church? Church is so hard. I can't do it all the time. Why do we have to go every week? Can't we just go like every other week and call it good? Actually, in our world, that's what people do. It used to be if, you know, you went every Sunday to be considered a faithful member. And if you only went half the time, people said, well, you're only a half-time member. But there are people in our world that think if you go to two out of four Sundays a month, well, I'm a regular attender. 
There are people who think, well, if I just go to Easter and Christmas services, I'm, I'm a good member in good standing. There are people in our neighborhoods who call Tower View their church and they never come here except when we have handouts or some, some sort of event. And they call Tower View their church. God is God here. Isaiah is preaching the words of God, and he is saying that no, these things matter. Your attitude in what you do matters. If you give in an offering and you give graciously, but you give begrudgingly, is it really an offering? I can't tell. The church treasurer can't tell what your heart is. We read it. We we praise God that we got it, that we got an offering. You know that we, you know, so we can pay the light bill and the water bill. We praise God for those things. But do you get credit for it? Does God give you, you know, do you get the blessing for it if you're given begrudgingly? It's like, oh man, I gotta do this. The preacher preached. I gotta tithe. Oh, so I'd rather spend this money on a new stereo system. But you know, no, that that's what the people are complaining about. And he's saying that they've turned. They're back on God. In fact, it's so bad. In verse 15, he says, When you spread out your hands in prayer, so often in, in, you know, we pray, we put our hands together and we bow our heads, but that's not always the prayer language of all the time. In, in Israel, sometimes when they prayed, they would put their hands up and they would look up to the sky. He says, When you put your hands up in prayer, I will refuse to look at you, even if you offer countless prayers. I will not listen. Why? Your hands, the ones you were holding up in prayer, are covered in blood because of your violence that you have done. You can't see any blood on my hands, but I do have a band-aid on there. There was blood there yesterday. Have you seen people just going to church and going through the motions? Who are outright complaining about the requirements of God? And that's what the people were doing. They were complaining about what God had called them to do. That is not worship. That is not a sign of salvation. And so what do you, what would people need to do? What, what, what needs to change? Well, Isaiah covers that too. He doesn't just complain. Okay? He doesn't just tell them how awful they are. He tells them what they need to do. In verses 16, Isaiah, we're going through the book of Isaiah, and we're in Isaiah chapter 1, and we're in verses 16 and 17. Wash yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead for the widow's cause. So there you go. What do I need to do? You need to change your attitude. Wash your... You just said you had hands covered with your blood. Wash yourselves. Wash that blood off. Cleanse yourselves. Okay, if you read in the Old Testament, it says they consecrated themselves. Often that consecration in, in, involved washing. They literally, they, they would take a bath. 
because baths they didn't you know we take showers every day baths or nearly every day but they didn't do that in in, in the world water wasn't that plentiful and they, it wasn't considered the thing you needed to do and so when they cleansed themselves they washed them that was a big deal they didn't change clothes every day either they didn't have a lot of clothes you may have literally all the clothes you own may literally be what you're wearing they didn't have a closet full of clothes that you go what am i going to wear today do i wear the yellow shirt do i wear the purple shirt do i wear the blue shirt do i wear the red shirt? you know they didn't have that they had a set of clothes so washing yourselves and cleansing was a big deal but god said do it but not just physically wash yourself spiritually wash yourself wash the sins off your body and how do you do that you remove the evil deeds you stop doing evil learn to do what is good so you can't just stop doing evil you got to replace it with good it's like telling an alcoholic to stop drinking alcohol but he doesn't clean out his liquor closet cabinet and he doesn't buy any other drinks to drink instead of alcohol He's not going to stay off the alcohol for very long. You got to replace it. You got to take out what's bad, and, and 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 replace it with something else. That's good. Learn to do what is good. How do you do that? You pursue justice. You pursue justice. You correct the oppressor. You don't just you correct them. You tell them that they're wrong. You stand up against them. How do you stand up? You defend the rights of the fatherless, the orphans. You defend the widow who doesn't have a husband to stand up for her. In that world, that they, they needed a husband to stand up. The woman's voice just didn't count as much. That isn't God's way. That was the world's way. But God said you still need to plead for them. And so he called them to action, to change their hearts, change their minds, change their attitudes, change their actions. Verses 18 and 19. Come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. There's that couplet phrase again. Though your sins are scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. And clean wool is white. If you, verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. And so, if you do these things, not out of you, you don't defend the widow list because okay, well, if I do these things, then God will love me. No, it's still that the wash yourself, cleanse yourself. That's your heart, that's your mind, that's your attitude being changed, being transformed. And that's exactly what Isaiah meant. He wants your whole life changed and transformed, and then your skin, your sins which are red like scarlet, which are red like crimson, be washed white as snow, white as clean wool. If you are willing, you got to be willing, and you got to be obedient. And you'll get the good things of the land. You'll get the blessings of God that may or may not come out as physical blessings. we got preachers out there that say, well, if you just follow the things of God and send me an offering... God will bless you financially. You'll be, they keep saying blessings, but the implication is that God, if you send us $100, God will bless you with thousands. And sometimes that does happen. 
But not always. Not always. You don't. That is always just because you send somebody a thousand dollars doesn't mean your boss is going to give you a raise or you're going to win the lottery. Not always going to happen. And so he calls on them to repent, to change. In verse twenty, though, he goes, "But there's that word. You, when you see that in scripture, you got to stop. Okay, okay. What was before? What's his butt? What's he button? Okay. But if you refuse." And rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now think about it. when you say devoured, what do you think? You think of somebody eating, right? You will be devoured for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So who's going to devour you? God. God, he just, you, it's not an accident he uses that kind of language uses devoured, and then says that God is the mouth of the Lord. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God will devour you. But God's love, he wouldn't do anything. God is a just God. He is a holy God. And we'll find this as we continue to read all of these chapters in Isaiah. God demands holy worship. He talks about worship here. And he says that they're trampling his courts. And so when you come back to worship, whether it's in our building or somebody else's building, are you coming to worship a risen Savior? Are you coming as like, oh, I got out of the habit. I know I need to do this again. It's such a pain in the rear, but I got to do it. I want people to think nice of me. Are you doing it because, God, I want to be here. I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And or do you want to be rebellious? Rebellion is not a good thing. The lesson plan stops right there, but I'm going to read the next couple of verses, 21 to 23, because this is what rebellion looks like. It says, A faithful town, what an adulteress she has become. She was once full of justice. Righteousness once dwelled in her, but now murderers. So she calls the town and uses female as if the town was a female, a woman. And it says she was faithful, but now she's an adulterer. They once had full of justice, and now they're murderers. Verse 22, your silver has become dross to be discarded. Your beer is diluted with water. Familiar, you know, watch it, you know, when they purify silver, they, they, they melt it. And the, and the impurities float to the surface. And they skim those off and throw them away. Your beer is diluted with water. It's worse than near beer. Verse 23, your rulers are rebels, friends of thieves. They love graft and chase after bides. They do not defend the rights of the fatherless, and the widow's case never comes before them. So they don't care about justice. They're looking for bribes. They don't care about the little guy. They just want their money. What's in it for them? Slumlords. And he says the rulers are rebels. Well, usually rebels are the people going against the rulers. But they say the rulers are the rebels. Why? Because God is the ruler. God is the king of kings, the lord of lords. And they are rebelling against their God against their salvation. 
And when you come to church and you're just going through the motions, now I'm not telling you about you're sick that day or you're, you know, you're just having a bad week and you're just, you're just, okay, yeah, I'm just not in it this week. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you go to church just for the show. You go to church because it's expected above you. You go to church because you want, you know, you want, you want to have church membership in your obituary. You go to church so you can put it on your resume. You go to church because you think, well, this will cancel out my... If I go to church, it will cancel out the things that the sins that I do during the week. God doesn't work that way. That's not how this works. This is God does not have this balance scale and goes, okay, you have more good or more bad. Okay, that's how I'll decide. No. He looks at your heart. He looks at your faith. He looks at your desires. Do you desire the things of God or do you desire the things of this world? And that's what Isaiah is is preaching against. Where are your desires? Where is your faith? Do you really believe that God will provide? Or you just use that as an excuse? You don't give because you don't think God will provide if you give. It's like, well, I, I can't pay my bills. Maybe you, you, you're so wrapped up with the things of this world, you're, you, you're spending all your money on stuff. You've got loans and credit card debt because that's all, that's all, that's all you care about because you think, I have to have all these things so people will think I'm an okay person. If I don't have the latest style of clothes, if I don't have a, a car that's less than five years old, if I don't live in the right neighborhood, God can't, you know, I, you know, I have to have those things. Do you think God can provide for you if you don't have those things? Do you trust God with, your, with all your life, not just pieces of it, all of it? And that's what Isaiah is preaching about. Is you turn to God for everything. And you come to church... Here he was talking about the temple, but do you come to church to truly worship a risen Savior? Are you just going to church to go through the motions so people will think right nice things about you and write nice things about you? Are you going to church just to cancel out your sins? Because that ain't going to work. You don't go to church to cancel out your sins. You go to church because your skins were canceled out by Jesus Christ. And you're going to church to worship that Jesus Christ. That's why you go to church. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, help us to have holy worship. Help us to worship you. Because God, worship without sacrifice is useless. God, because worship without faith doesn't mean anything. Because worship without godly works is no faith at all. So help us to learn how to sacrifice for you, to have faith in you, and to do works for you from our heart. Whatever those things look like, Lord. You are the mighty God. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. I see Darren's been on and Jeannie and uh, 
has been on, and I know there's been others that have been on. So I thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Pastor Nelson uh, Nisley at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. And we invite you to come to our services today. It's at 1030. You can sit in the car, your car in the parking lot, and you turn to 90.7 on your FM radio, and you can listen to the service. You can bring your lawn chair or blanket and sit outside and listen to the service in the grass, under a tree or next to the building in the shade. It's going to be a hot one out there, but some people, you know, if you if you don't mind the heat, um, you can do it online. Um, the service will be uh, broadcast on Facebook Live this morning. So the service starts at 10. The, the sermon will start around 10.50-ish um, when, when, when we start the Facebook Live. We won't do the whole service. We'll just, we just do the sermon. And uh, the songs, if you're, if, you're, if you're home, the songs are, are online on our Facebook page or on our website, towerviewkc.com. And this, you know, obviously this is here. And if, if, if this, this has been a blessing to you, if what the, the songs that you, you, you sing on, on our website or our Facebook page are a blessing to you, share them on your, on, your, on, your, on your wall, on your Facebook wall. Share them so others can also enjoy that. Uh, tell us that you like it, you know, by clicking the little like button or something. So we appreciate that. And if you want to get in touch with us, please get in touch with us. You can contact us through our Facebook page. You can talk, contact us through our website. You can call or text our, our church uh, phone number. It's 816-368-1330. It's there in the comments. Um, thank you, Carrie, for watching, and thank you for your kind words. And so I, I just thank you and I praise you for uh, watching, for listening, and I uh, pray I can see you at church today. But if not, you know, uh, we'll talk to you later. Uh, good day and God bless.